I sense some disappointment in the room right now. I don't, I don't know what it is. I feel discouragement, even hopelessness. You know, and we have to pray against that because we know that the Cubs have been breaking records all the time. Now, again, only four teams have come back in baseball history from being down to three to one. And the Cubs will be the fifth. Right. Amen. Amen. That's right. And next week I'll be able to wear my Cubs Cub jersey again. <laughs> no, I, I made rules for myself. Okay. Well, so good to have you guys. Uh, I came across this interesting story this past week. How many remember the baseball player Steve Lyons who played for the Sox? Anybody remember him? Okay, Dean does. Patrick, do you remember him? Okay. Well, it was 1990, and the Sox were playing the Tigers. And Steve Lyons uh, bunted, and he ran to first base, and he just put his whole body into it and slid into first base. Now, uh, the umpire called it out, or the umpire called it safe, and the first baseman uh, disagreed. And so they started to talk. Then Steve Lyons enters the scene, uh, and, and he's starting to get involved in the conversation. And he's so passionate about this, he actually drops his trousers. <laughs> Probably the only time in baseball history. Let's watch it right here. No, Stevie dives in and beats it. Good effort by Steve Lyons. That'll be a base hit right there. Good job. I'll tell you one thing, not a bad defensive play either by the Tigers. <laughs> Did you see that? Mm-hmm. He's going to get the dirt out, and all of a sudden he unbuckled his pants, and they fell down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. One of the same color as the bill of that cap right now. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I don't think that's really the proper Anybody remember that? Yeah, classic memory. But, but I love Steve Lyons, and I want to be just like him. Because, friends, he was bold. Now, I'm not going to drop my trousers. Don't worry about that. <laughs> what I'm talking about is the fact that he put his all into it sliding into first base and then so engaged with the conversation. He wasn't thinking about himself and the fact that he was mooning 20,000 fans. He wasn't thinking about that. It was on the mission. And that's my desire for you and for me, is that we would have our eye on the mission. Life on Mission is our series. Life on Mission of Spreading the Gospel. Wherever we go, I was talking with uh, Jerry Samandel, who's here today, and he said he was at his brother's wedding, uh, let's see, last Sunday, and he blessed the meal, and two ladies came up to him, and they said, are you one of those born-again people? And he said, well, yeah, we thought so. By the way, you said, 
Now, your wife made you do it, right? And no. <laughs> like sure, he said, I came to Christ uh, before that. And he had a sh- chance to share the gospel with him. And I was talking with Jerry, and he said, hey, listen, Robin and I, uh, such a devoted, mature couple of Christ, we pray every day for opportunities. We pray that we bless people on a daily basis. Now, that's a picture of maturity when it comes to being ready. Whenever it might come, that opportunity to speak of Jesus Christ. But we want to live on mission. And so we've been talking about this whole series. We've talked about connecting with lost people, serving lost people, sharing the good news with lost people, growing lost people, or Christ followers by this time. And uh, last week, uh, we went over our strategy. For the last two years, since Disciple Driven started, uh, we've been working on becoming an intentionally disciple-driven church. And that is that we want to build a process, a relational process, where everyone who steps into the doors of Springbrook will experience discipleship, one-on-one, one-on-two, that type of thing. Uh, the idea was, I mean, we've had a leadership team meeting for like 18 months, and there's 10 of us, and, and so we say, okay, if, if a person came to Springbrook and they became a Christian, what would we want to see in them a three- to five-year period? What type of things would they be able to do or, or no? So what we did is we came up with this strategy. And, and I would encourage you, if you ever miss a Sunday, I would encourage you to listen to the message online. Because what you need to realize is that God gives me a customized message for you, for this church, for this body. He does. And I try to deliver it as well as I can. But the point is that the messages I teach and other people who I teach, Matt and Rich, uh, they're meant for you specifically. So always catch up. Last week we talked about... Uh, the whole idea of our strategy. So, why don't you guys stand up? <laughs> Get some action going here. Exercise. We have hand motions for this. So, what are we going to do? We're going to bring them to Jesus. We're going to love them through relationships. We inspire them through worship. We teach them God's Word. We equip them for ministry. And we pray for them. Let's do that again. We bring them to Jesus. We love them through relationships. We inspire them through worship. We teach them God's Word. We equip them for ministry. And we pray for them. All right. Thank you so much for doing that. We're we're really just trying to develop this culture of discipleship. So you'll hear me saying things over and over and over again. And the purpose of that is people need to hear something like seven... Principle seven times before they understand it, or some idea or invitation. It takes a lot of exposure. And we're seeking to change our culture so that we might become more disciple-driven. Then we came up with a picture of a disciple. So we said, okay, this person comes into Springbrook, they come to the Lord, and in three to five years, what do we want to see in their lives? Well, first of all, 
we want to know that they are trained to serve Jesus with others, just like uh, Jerry did. Uh, love others by spiritually investing them, to understand the importance of discipling other people, having spiritual friendships, being fully engaged here at Springbrook, so that you can invest in other people's lives. Because we're a disciple-making family, so it's all mutual. You guys disciple me, I disciple you, and so forth. And it's just great. We just have wonderful people (laughs) as part of our family that are serious about the relationship with God. Worships God daily through spirit-powered obedience. Way to go, guys. Most of you were here around 11 o'clock. So give yourself a hand, okay? Give yourself a hand. Way to go. It does change the dynamic. I mean, the Holy Spirit, it's mysterious. But we want to be here to worship God. Uh, Studies and lives out God's words. These are outcomes. Serve others through their spiritual gifts. Cultivates a relationship with God through prayer. So that's what we want. That's what we want a person to look like after three or five years. And, and so today I'm cultivating, talking to you that is, about cultivating a relationship with God through prayer. So everything that we do, everything I teach on, the ministries we have, the focuses we have are built around this picture of a disciple. Now, people are a mystery, aren't they? Aren't they? I've known my lovely wife here for 30 years or yeah, something like that. And, <laughs> and she's still a mystery to me. Okay? After 30, you'd think I'd have it down, living with a person for 30 years. I mean, I would know everything about them, but I don't. She continues to surprise me in a good way. And I surprise her even more. You know, so as you think about long marriages, which God designed, I mean, that's the beauty of it. You continue to get to know things you never knew about your spouse. You know, when you're interacting with another person, there's always that sense of mystery because you don't know what experiences they've gone through in the past. You don't know hurts that they have. You don't know what their motives are. You don't know a lot. You're just listening to them and trying to interpret that. You know, some people go to counseling. I'm a big believer in counseling. God uses counselors in people's lives. But they'll go to a counselor for like a year, and the counselor won't be able to get to the root problem because we're so complicated, right? But I tell you what, there is someone who knows you perfectly. There is someone who knows everything about you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your subconscious thoughts. He knows the thoughts you've had in the past, thoughts you'll have in the future. He knows how many days you have left on this earth. He knows everything. Our awesome God knows everything about us. And He still loves us. Isn't that great? He still loves us. For those who put their faith in Christ, you know, you're a child of God. And we always encourage people to take that that step of faith. So so God knows all that stuff, right? So if we're gonna ask anybody for help, 
How about he's somebody that's omniscient, he knows everything about, and is also omnipotent, who's all-powerful. <laughs> what if you had a friend like that? You know, they knew everything, and they were all-powerful. I mean, you'd have a pretty good relationship going, right? You know, this is what I would like, and could you do this? <laughs> that's the relationship we have with God, a deep relationship that we can continue to build over the years. The Israelites in the Old Testament, of course, were always rebelling against God, and God finally said, enough, 70 years into captivity. But he said, after captivity is what he's going to do. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now, that's exactly what happens when somebody humbles themselves and repents and believes in Jesus Christ. That's what happens. You get a new heart, new desires, like we talked about in the three-circle pamphlet, uh, designing the fact that after a person uh, comes to Christ, then they want to pursue Jesus Christ. There's a natural desire to pursue because the Holy Spirit is within you. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and how important that is. Acts 1 8, seen this verse a lot of times. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, that's our disciple driven verse. Uh, that is uh, what God wants us to do. But notice what it says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We always have to wait for the Spirit. We need to ask the Spirit as often as we can to help us, to guide us, to give us wisdom and, and supernatural power to live through life. Peter and John in Acts 4, and they were healing people, and you know, the high priests and the Sadducees got all upset, and they put them in jail, and they didn't know what to do with them because the people were so happy, and you know they were kind of in a hard place. So they released them, and they said, Listen, you can, you can go, but don't talk about Jesus. <laughs> don't you love that? Don't talk about Jesus. <laughs> so where'd they go? Did they go out? proclaiming God's Word again. No. What they did is they had a prayer meeting. I don't know how many people were there, but they were praying that the Holy Spirit would fill them with boldness. You see it right here. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Now, they already had the Holy Spirit within them. But because they prayed, because they asked, before, they bowed before God, God just sent a surge of the Holy Spirit through all these people. And they went out and spoke the Word of God with boldness. Boldness. Notice what Paul says. Ephesians six nineteen through 20. Pray also for me. Now, he's in prison, remember. Now, this is not the same verse as last week. 
Many times he would just ask people to pray that he would have an opportunity to share his faith. Pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. What does boldly mean? Well, it's the opposite of being fearful. Life is you know, unpredictable. And so many times we'll stay within our comfort zone and won't step out of it because we're afraid of what might happen. We're afraid of what people think of us if we share the gospel with them or take interest in their lives, think they're weird or something like that. You know, there's a lot of fears that go around this area of being a witness. But what you need to do, and I need to do, and Paul needs to do, here's the thing. Paul wrote, wrote most of the New Testament. Okay? I mean, you wouldn't think that he would have to pray for boldness. You'd think it would be just flowing through him. But no. He continues to ask because Paul knows that the power of the Holy Spirit is only accessed through prayer. Right? The power of the Holy Spirit is only accessed through prayer. You see, God just doesn't naturally give you power and all those things. He sometimes does, but when you ask for it, He gives you it. Right? And, and, and this is really just so critical to the nature of the Christian life is that you're dependent on the Holy Spirit. There is this guy uh, who rented a chainsaw and uh, he came back and he was just kind of, you know, confused because he said, I cut a couple trees down with this thing, but it doesn't seem to be working. So the store manager takes him in or takes the chainsaw into the back and starts it up and the guy goes, What's that noise? Yeah, slow. <laughs> right? He hadn't had the chainsaw working. There was no gasoline. There was no power. Power means dunamis, dynamite in the Word of God. And I tell you what, so many of us go through life on our own power. Our own power. Because we're not accessing the Holy Spirit's power. Well, how do I get it? You ask for it. And this is why you walk throughout your day and you pray unceasingly. Remember Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So as I've said before, worry, anxiety is a trigger for you to turn to God. And I tell you what, I have a lot of opportunities to turn to God because of worry during the day. I mean, there's a lot of concerns that we have. But when you feel that fear is moving in on you, you say, oh God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make me bold in this situation. I pray you'd make me fearless that I would step out, that I, I would take a risk 
something I've never done before, like witness, and that I would do it effectively. Make me bold. Make me bold, not afraid, willing to take a risk. And friends, every day you can pray unceasingly. Because I know that all of us have a lot of complications and issues and relationships in our lives. And any time you're saying, now what should I do about that thing? What are you going to do? What? Pray. Say it with me. Pray. One more time. Pray. One more time. Pray, yeah. I mean, really. If you're a normal person, at least 20 times a day, you know, I'm just making a number up there, but you should be accessing God's power because you probably have that many issues. And you know, your mind is going up and down and all around. And uh, Just stop. Stop the cycle. Say, God, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do with this relationship. I've done everything I can to connect with my spouse, whatever, and I just am empty here. I pray. I want to access your power, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would change me first in relationship to my spouse. Help me be loving, forgiving towards them. And then I would pray that you would help my spouse. Now, friends, I tell you what, let's do one thing. Let's practice. Okay, everybody think about an issue in your life that you'd like some power from or wisdom. All right? And I'm just give you a few seconds to pray about it. All, right? all to pray together. Lord, help me in this area. All right. You know what just happened? A power surge. That's what just happened. A power surge. If all of us were praying, there was all kinds of power flowing this crowd, flowing through this crowd. People were feeling the Holy Spirit. They were they were talking to Him. And some of you might have to do that 30 times a day for one particular issue because you continue to go back and mull over it and waste your time. Go to God in prayer. But you've got to access the power of the Holy Spirit. And it only comes... Through prayer, he proclaimed the mystery of the gospel. That's so important. That that's what Paul prayed, and he was like the expert, right? Yeah. Luke fifteen six talks about the parable of the lost sheep. Remember, you got the lost coin in Luke fifteen, the lost sheep and the lost son, the prodigal son. And this is talking about the lost sheep, where a shepherd went out and. He had 9,100 uh, sheep and, and one disappeared. And so what he did was he left the other 99 behind in order to pursue that one, that one sheep. And when he found it, this is what happens. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep. That was lost. He's just overfilled with joy. And, of course, it's a picture of God. The whole point of the parable is to, is to remind us how much God loves us. And He wants to save the lost. And He wants to empower us in our daily challenges. But we've got to ask. We've got to turn on the power by praying. Yeah. Pray for the lost. I was talking with uh, Laura Schweber. 
She's our connections director, longtime attender here, uh, and her family. And uh, her husband, uh, dad, uh, was dying. Uh, and, and they had prayed like for over 20 years for Gary's dad. 20 years. And he knew he was going to die. And he really wasn't articulating that way. He wasn't talking that much. And, and Lauren Gary sat down. And they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was Jewish. Right? He was Jewish. Believed it all his life. But he knew the end was coming. And that was a moment that they, they prayed the prayer and encouraged him to pray it. And then at the end of the prayer, he said very clearly, Amen. And then Laura went on and talked about some other things. And then he said very clearly, God knows me. Isn't that awesome? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're talking about, the power of the Holy Spirit to bring a Jew to Jesus on his deathbed. That's the kind of power we're talking about, a power that will transform your life. If only you will turn it on, if only you will access it, the Holy Spirit can change you, can change your spouse, change your kids. This is what you need to realize. In the quietness of your daily time with God, you release power. Every time you pray, you release power into your life and other people's lives. So spend that time with God daily, pouring out your heart and saying, God, I need help here. I need help here. I need help here. He loves it. Right? He wants to give us all wisdom generously. God cares about you so much. And He cares about lost people so much. And so... We need to be praying for that person that needs Jesus on a daily basis at least. It needs to be a top priority, right? Because we are on mission. Luke 9, 37, 38 says, Then he said to his disciples, uh, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. So he's saying to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful. You remember sowing and reaping, the idea of planting gospel seeds, and soon they come uh, to maturity. Well, the harvest is plentiful. So he's looking around at the people, the Jewish people, and saying, these people need the gospel. They need me. But the workers are few. You know that? That really hasn't changed a whole lot in 2,000 years. I mean, if we were to take a survey of this congregation, like every other American congregation, probably, um, you know, when it comes to, again, engaging with a life on mission, there's a smaller percent that do that. And that's why we're, we're talking about it. That's why we're praying for you. That you would, would start to understand how awesome... Life can be when you're on mission for God. Now, the laborers are few. Therefore, get a, get a group together. Get a team together. And start 
strategizing and, and put on outreach events. Yeah, that's what. Oh, wait. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. If we want to see more people engaged in mission here in our body, we need to pray for them. You can pray for individuals that you know. You can pray for our whole church that we would engage because, friends, we've got the good news. It'll transform people's lives. And we just have to be reminded that we need to pray and ask God to work in a mighty way. I'd like uh, Diana Martin to come out at this time. time. Diana's been at church for a long time, and she's always been an inspiration uh, to me when it comes to prayer and evangelism. Good afternoon, Springbrook. <clears throat> A little nervous, though. I I find that uh, prayer is the most important important part of my life. Um, once I find found out why I was praying, I've always been taught to pray when I was a little girl. Pray before bed, pray before you eat, but I never really knew why I was praying. And once I found out why I was praying, that it was pleasing the Lord, then I was totally on board with that. So um, I pray. In all things. And so um, whether it's needing prayer for myself, uh, which I'm so grateful for our prayer team here at Springbrook uh, for their prayers because they make a big difference in my life. Uh, but I love praying for other people uh, as well. Um, so each morning, uh, the first thing I do is I pray for the day. I thank God for the new day and I ask him to let everybody see him and not me. Uh, and he does that actually. And then um, because of um, my job, I'm traveling on the road in my car all day, so I pray for safety on the road. But I also pray uh, for my eyes and my heart to be open uh, to see if people that I come in contact with, the families that I'm meeting for the day, you know, are in need of prayer. And uh, in many cases, they are. Um, most people are, are broken um, about a variety of things. And so even though I'm working, um, if someone brings up a problem they might be having, I ask them if they would like for me to pray for them. And sometimes I pray for them right there in the home, or sometimes I take it home and pray later. Uh, I pray for marriages. I pray for problems with people's children. I pay, pray for people needing jobs and a variety of other issues um, people are facing. And um, I've had a few people even call me back to thank me. They thank me for praying for them. Um, but even if prayer is not needed, I end every visit um, with an invite here to Springbrook. Uh, I was invited here just over 12 years ago uh, by Lois Lane. Uh, and um, since she shared the invite with me, I like to share the invite with everybody else, you know. And so I've shared the invite with people like Kathy, you know, that beautiful voice that we heard singing this morning. Amen. Um, yeah. Erica, um, you know, who um, serves in our sound booth. Uh, she joined us about a year ago, and I invited Erica, I want to say about seven and a half years ago. Wow. Mm. Uh, and then Joan um, in the Del Webb community, uh, she's made Springbrook her church home, and she thanks me for inviting her here. 
So um, I know everybody thinks, oh, it's easy for me to invite people. You're a greeter. You know, you're used to greeting people. But that's not the case. Um, if you feel a loved and welcome when, you, when I greet you on Sunday mornings, that's not me. Uh, that's the answer to my prayers. Amen. All right. <laughs> uh, I love Diana so much. I love her heart. She's been an inspiration so, for so many years because she goes around as a home health care presenter or something like that, as blood work, things of that nature. And, and she's always talking about Jesus. Isn't that great? And she's praying. And God has brought some awesome people here because of you. And you can be like Diana. That's what we need. We all need models, right? Uh, you know, we need people to stand up and say, hey, this is the way I reflect Jesus. And that inspires us. So let's thank Diane again for what God has done for her life. Thank you, Diane. <laughs> now, I'm going to give you a tool or something that you can use this week. Now, think about the person that you have in mind, your one life, that person who needs to know Jesus and Maybe it's your neighbor, maybe it's an office worker or something like that, and say, I don't even know how to start. This is where you start. You go up to the person that you're praying for, and you say, can I pray for you? Any ways I can pray for you? Any particular things? Lord, I just want to thank you for Mark, and uh, thank you for he and Cheryl over the many years of ministry, uh, just helping us out here and, and letting their spirit uh, flow through them. And I pray that you would strengthen him and his health, and you keep him healthy or whatever you might be struggling with, that he uh, uh, might uh, be able to overcome with your power. In Christ's name, amen. That's how easy it is. I love Mark and Shara sitting in the front row here because they were in the third row. And I said, hey, you know, why don't you sit in the front row? And they did. I just love that. Thank you. <laughs> Give me a hug. Give me a hug, buddy. All right. All right. All right. Well, you promised me a free beverage. That's right. Exactly. I promised him a free beverage. And so for a limited time, anybody who sits in the front row, I will buy you a beverage at our cafe. It's great up here, really. That's why my wife is here. <laughs> Thank you, honey. <laughs> Not the second row. It has to be the first row. I mean, this is good. You guys are great, okay? We're just trying to bring more people forward so we can be more cozy, you know? But, uh, friends, you can go to that person. That person needs Jesus. And I'll tell you what, I've done it all kinds of times, and they never get mad at me. They never say, how dare you ask me to prayer requests. A lot of you guys are about going. You've done this right. You go into a restaurant and uh, you sit down and get your drinks. And you ask the waiter, waitress, and say, hey, uh, we're going to be praying here before our meal. Is there any way we can pray for you? We've done that many times and nobody's ever put something in our food or slapped us or anything like that. You see, people are hurting. We, we all agree with that, right? People have issues. And for you to express concern and love for them, even if they don't know about Christ or anything, but it, it's, can I pray for you? Really, it's world over. 
a sense of, I care about you. You know, and I'd like to pray for you. And then what you do is they give you real specific requests. You write them down, keep praying, keep praying. And then ask them, hey, how's that going? You know, friends, right there. Is that easy? Everybody say, is that easy? I mean, just say, can I pray for you? Do that this week, okay, for me? One more thing. Uh, take out your communication cards. And we're going to have another month of prayer here at Springbrook. And uh, we're having a praise and prayer gathering. Uh, I don't know, it's the Sunday before uh, Thanksgiving uh, from 6 to 7.30. Uh, great pie afterwards. So you're invited out to that. But all our leaders are already committed to this, to prayer. But uh, I would like the leaders to write down whatever amount of time. The whole idea is to say, okay, I'm going to pray for Springbrook. I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit to empower the people of Springbrook. And so just every day, like is it five minutes a day or ten minutes a day, and then write down the number. So everybody do that. Write down the number if you're led to do that. And uh, that, that's a beautiful way that we can continue to lean and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. If we could have our ushers come forward at this time. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. You know, I've walked with you for many years and putting this message together, guided by your Spirit. I, again, was reminded of how important prayer is. Is that, you know, we need to pray. If we're in a ministry, we should pray before we come to the ministry. We should pray while we're in the ministry and when we leave the ministry. Everything has to be saturated in prayer if your power is going to flow. In Christ's name, amen.